Right, so I think I'm live now, but it says I'm live. Right, so today I'm going to be doing a reading from my Ghost of Me book, and it's the first time I've ever done a live reading on Twitter. So quite possibly there'll be nobody watching, but hopefully they can watch the video later. And I'm going to start, oh, well, before I start actually, afterwards I'll be doing a Q&A. I've had some questions coming that I will be answering. My grandmother's assistant will be coming to ask me those, also known as Andy N. And then I'll tell you where you can buy the book. And also, if you have any questions, I'll answer them if I see them. So I'll start with the prologue first. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different route. This was her usual route. He knew that. He knew her. Obscured by the two looming buildings he stood between. He pleaded with whatever higher power there was for tonight to be no different. Maybe she would get a call from a friend and decide to go in a different direction. A shift finished five minutes earlier. The lurker mentally traced her steps to this point. Two minutes at her pace, unless she worked overtime or someone gave her a lift. They rarely did, though. He took a deep breath. Don't mess this up, he thought, unsure whether the words were to himself or to her, by changing her plans and deciding not to walk in his direction. Despite spending the last two weeks passing the spot he now waited at, it would be just like her to mess up his planning, just like all of them. Then came the clicking of her heels and the smell of perfume, confirming it was her. The scent of Happel, which now prompted him to lick his lips. Or perhaps it was the anticipation of what he was about to do. None of the food she ever gave him made him feel this way. Patience, he told himself, as his feet seemed to develop a mind of their own, tugging at his legs in an attempt to cut her off. One second, his legs readied themselves. Now, he sprang out of his hiding place, darting after her, until she turned around. He toyed with her for a while, allowing her to think she might have a chance at escape. The real fear showed in her eyes when he grabbed her arms, pinning them to her sides. He smiled when he saw her long red hair. It almost looked like a flame underneath the street lamp. He was about to extinguish that fire. She recognised the familiar face. Her body went rigid as he reached into his jacket and pulled out the knife. Reminded him of the time he had to pretend to be a plank in the school play. She would have made a good plank, but that wouldn't be her role tonight. He had gone over the plan in his mind. The victim struggled unsuccessfully, of course, but it was fun. His mind was already skipping ahead to the outcome. What are you? She began, bringing him back to reality, which wasn't playing out like he imagined it would. Something needed to be done to get things back on track. This was a moment to save her, not rush. He kept his hands on her arms and tilted his head to kiss her lips. Her breath was minty. The sauce of the mint flavour, her chewing gum, was still in her mouth. He rolled it onto his tongue, then removed his hand from her right arm so he could take the gum and pocket it. He wanted a souvenir. That would be better than nothing. She screamed, forcing him to clamp his mouth shut with his hand, her mouth shut with his hand. Even the pain of teeth mauling at his hand wasn't enough to deter him. The struggle had begun. And I'll read the first part of the chap first chapter. 
which is in the first person of the main character. I never imagined my own death. Why would I? I was 36 years old. I had years left, or so I thought. I changed my mind about that when I woke up in the morgue. The dead body, my dead body laid out in front of me, provided a good indication that I no longer needed to draw breath. My eyes were open, and I could almost imagine I was staring at myself, yet I struggled to look away from the shell I used to inhabit. My eyes wandered from my bruised face to the red mark on my neck, as if I was punched and strangled. I closed my eyes. Maybe this would be gone when I opened them again. I'd have a laugh at the weird dream I had about being beside myself in the morgue. A brief memory popped into my head, hands gripping my arms. Then the image faded. I opened my eyes to find my corpse wasn't gone though. It seemed to be taunting me for thinking I could make it not real. Did somebody do this to me? I asked my dead self, only to receive no response. She just laid still. I wondered if all dead people looked like, well, like they'd been scared to death, I suppose. I watched enough crime shows to recognise the signs of a murder. I recalled those same crime shows. Copying what they did seemed like my best option. The first step was to examine the victim. I took a deep breath, although no air went in or out of my body, but the action remained the same. I twisted my head from side to side. I stretched my arms like someone preparing for a boxing match or an intense workout session might do. It helped to imagine I was looking for clues about what happened to a fictitious character. If I stopped to dwell on the reality of my death, I might have panicked. It also helped to have no recollection of the circumstances leading up to my death. I remembered my family and Paul. And now I'll invite my glamorous assistant over to ask me some questions. Hello, glamorous assistant. Hi. <laughs> okay. Of course, people that know or don't know me, my name is Andy. Okay, and I'm on a podcast series called Spoken Label, which we're going to do an archivism under, aren't we? Yeah. As well, so, but we have had a number of questions sent in now, so so I'm going to go through them. And uh, there's two I want to ask you as well, Amanda, of course. So, so okay. First question we've got is from David Dalglish. Dave wants to know, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, I'd like to fitness something after we die. Okay, and he also then asks, have you encountered any? I think I have quite a few times. I think the one that comes to mind is after my dad passed away and I was lying in bed feeling sorry for myself and the photograph that had been on the wall for don't know how long, quite a few years, it never come off the wall, just seemed mm -hmm. to throw itself off the wall. And it seemed like my dad's way of saying, like, what have you got to cry about, lass? Which is probably how he would respond. <laughs> what an overview, Dad, yeah. I can't believe that. Okay, moving on to a couple of questions from Jenny Berry now. Jenny asks, what inspired you to write this book? I, I started this in my early 30s, and I got about three or four chapters in, but they were very short chapters, about a thousand words each. Mm. And I never got round to taking it up again, even after I started writing novels, until I started my NA. And I thought, that's the perfect time to start it up and get some feedback at the same time to help me complete it. I remember you mentioned this book at the time, because it was a few was it? It wasn't your first time you wrote attempted a novel, was it? Your second, wasn't it? 
can't actually remember because there was another one that I've got in a folder and I can't remember which came first. Okay, and Jenny also wants to know, do you like watching programmes in this genre too? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've been watching a venture <laughs> programme recently <laughs> called American Horror Story, which Andy loves because it's so cheerful. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah. The best way to put that is, um, we were watching that over breakfast. Yeah. It's a great it's, breakfast. It's the second season. If anyone watches it, they'll they'll know what we mean. But I, I think it's all quite grim. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Jenny also wants to know: Do you use a formal like story arc? And sorry, it's a Sarah Collado. I'm sorry, yeah. I read it wrong. Um. No, I don't really. I've never really sat down. Sometimes I have them of an outline of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I just go along and just go with it. Okay. <laughs> but for this, I just like wrote the first draft and then you go back to it and you think, actually, this bit should change or you should do this because you know what's, how the story goes and so then you've got a better idea to change things. That kind of answered what Jenny, sorry, Jenny Sarah's second question was, which is how do you plan your stories? Yeah, Is there like any, that. Yeah, like that, so. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Sarah also, also asked, last is the third question is, would you say your planning, obviously it's totally novel here, yeah. is plot-led or character-led? I think I'd probably say it used to be plot-led, but it's gone more character-led. Like with the course that I did, the MA in creative writing, I had to flesh out the characters a lot more and I feel like I've developed them more in this book than I have in any other book that I've done. Obviously when, when you first attempted this book and all those years ago and obviously just kind of expanding what Sarah's put here, yeah. would you say at the time then was it very um, plot led at the time then was it? Yeah it was just a general idea of what would it be like to solve your own murder and then everything else probably got put in in the second draft and the third and so on. Okay, a question from Ruth now, and I can say he's watching us. Hi, Ruth. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> If you were a ghost, would you haunt those who get on your nerves? I don't think I'd spend my entire afterlife haunting people, but I think you'd have to pop in just for a brief moment to just taunt a few people, throw a few things around. Is this for people you like or don't like? Don't like. <laughs> <laughs> that needs stating, right? <laughs> Okay, Ruth's also asked as well. This is a bit more long-winded, so thank you for this, Ruth. <laughs> and I hope I read, read this right as well. Somebody goes to a medium to get a message from you from the other side. What is the one thing you would say that would convince your friends it was you that gave that message? Yeah, when I first saw this, I was going to mention something about cake, but I think most <laughs> people know that, and that wouldn't prove anything. This would be a serious, so, yeah. serious chat, so, so... I would probably mention, like, remember the poem I did about locking boyfriends in the shed, because I think most people that know me know that, but not strangers wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK. Uh, I've got two questions for you now, and then we've got one last question from Julie Davenport to conclude with. Right, okay. Sarah, your main character yeah. in Ghost of Me, as course, is a ghost. Now, obviously, your previous book has just been getting a bigger reissue at the moment, is an almost human, your book about zombies, which the main character was Grace in that. So, there's two parts to this. How would Sarah survive in a world of zombies as a ghost? And how would she survive as a human? Oh. And how would she interact with Grace? Well, as a ghost, obviously she survived because zombies can't kill ghosts. 
But she's completely different from Grace. I don't really know. I don't think they'd be hostile towards each other. They'd just have nothing in common. So they'd, they'd probably get thrown together, but they wouldn't really be friends. And how old is Sarah and obviously like, because obviously when she was alive then, how would she cope in the zombie world? I think she'd be dead in moments because she's very naive. She was very naive as a human, and it's only after she dies when she starts discovering that things weren't the way she thought they were. Fair enough. Okay, my other question is, and I think when you're always a novelist, like I, I know some American poetry really, you gain a different experience in every book you write, and it's like each book itself it dictates itself in a different way, doesn't it? Yeah. So what sort of um, experience have you gained from this book? Well, what have you learned about yourself as a writer? Yeah. I've never written crime before. I don't know if I'd say I discovered that I had a darker twisted side because I think that was <laughs> obvious already. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I said obviously none that I said, but now you've not, you've learned obviously more and you you said already in your structuring, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I got um, I got feedback because the first maybe four or five chapters I sent in as part of various assignments. So I got feedback from the other students and feedback from the tutor. And then there were some times where I didn't agree with the tutor. Like he said something about the character, why is mm. he doing that? But I just kept it in because I could say to myself, well, I know the character's doing that because of dot, dot, dot. So at least then it makes you think about why you're doing it rather than just putting it in for the sake of it. Yeah, and obviously like going forward as an novelist, and obviously we can't really go into what you're going to do next yet. Yeah. But it's obviously like that will obviously you've, you've learned what you've learned in this will impact on your next book you write or you? and anything that will be on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Okay. Now the last question we've got here, we're backtracking a few pages and my notes is from Julia Davenport. And Julia wants to know, can you buy the book on Amazon? Uh, yeah, so you can buy it on Amazon in the UK, America, all countries. And you can also buy it in ebook on most ebook platforms. And if you go to my Twitter profile, there's a pinned post with a universal booklet that takes you to your preferred choice. Now, there is a few extracts on mine, Amanda, isn't there, as well? Yeah, on my amandasteelwriter.com website. Yeah, so I thought there was an only you did an extract on YouTube, didn't you, as well? So. Yeah, there's an extract on there. There's also there's a video interview, but that's on yours. That's on Andy N's YouTube page. Yes. Sure find it. <laughs> yeah, and there's also an extract and spoken label as well we did it with Jenny Berry, yeah. wasn't it? We uploaded it there. So yeah, that's all my questions. Right. So that's it. So we've not had any questions come through because everybody's asked already. So I'll say goodbye and tell you to buy the book because it's good and I need the money and I don't want to eat big things. Mother wants more books to buy more cake. Yeah. Or well, at least decent baked beans is a smart price. <laughs> okay. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.